0: Good morning. 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 See, when Daryl does the announcements, you get a sermon before the sermon. It's pretty good. (laughs) Never takes a week off, does he? Um, It is good to see you guys. Uh, I didn't even know you were here. That's my niece. How are you? You doing okay? You feel good that now everybody's looking at you? That's Clarissa. That's my niece. Everybody say hi, Clarissa. Hi, Clarissa. That's awesome. That's awesome. Let's see how many more people I can embarrass now. Uh, i see the shorts are back from their vacation they look great they look rested it's awesome yeah tan did y'all have a good time okay yeah they didn't have a good time all right uh, it's very good to see all of you um uh, i don't know if you saw asher we're matching and uh yeah a few oz a few others like okay all right it's ridiculous Shiloh's also wearing this as well i have my sister to thank for that yeah there you go thank you for that um, but this is the last day of my summer, so I thought, you know what? I'm going to dress like uh, I'm not depressed about the coming school year. <laughs> so this is kind of like a lie uh, right here. It's a it's a veneer. Uh, it's cracking. Um, but I am I'm a principal. I'm an assistant principal in Dallas. Uh, my wife is a teacher in Garland. Garland's going back very early this year. Uh, yeah, I, August second is when kids start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You heard that was I did not say the wrong month. August 2nd is when they're going back. It's kind of crazy. So, uh, yeah, this is like our last day of summer. And I think we're going to celebrate by uh, working around the house. So we're very (laughs) excited about these things. But, uh, all right, so they just got back from Galveston. The shorts did. They love to go down there. And uh, from their pictures, it looks like they had a great time. Uh, a lot of people go on vacation you know, during this time. Uh, I know COVID kind of put a damper on that a little bit, but a lot of people, they go around. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to find someone around you and I want you to tell them what are three things that would be a part of your paradise, okay? So what's your paradise? Again, it could be anything. What are three things that, they, that you would have in your paradise? Go ahead, share with someone next to you, please. All right. How many of you said something that uh, included the beach or ocean or anything like that? Okay, a few people, a few people. Okay, great. Fantastic. How many of you included something with food? All right. How many of you included something with um, some sort of activity that you don't normally get to do? I heard breathing underwater that would classify as something you don't normally get to do. All right. (laughs) Um, That's awesome. Uh, Anybody else that I missed something, a big category that you would include? Uh, Animals, love, wine, anything else? That lush you heard was my mother, just a second ago, by the way. I'm just joking. Just joking, just joking. All right. So, yeah, no, uh, I think a lot of times when we hear the word paradise... We do think of palm trees or some sort of island. I will say that my family for the first time ever before Jacob went, um, talk about paradise, Jacob is about to start uh, boot camp. So the opposite of paradise is about what he's about to experience. Y'all gonna be praying for him. He had quarantine for two weeks and now that's up. So he'll be in basic training starting, uh, we believe on Wednesday. We don't know because he's not allowed to contact us. So uh, yeah, that's kind of fun. But yeah, when we think uh, when we think about all the the palm trees and stuff. But my family, the first time ever, all six of us, we actually went on a vacation and we drove. We went about 2,800 miles through four states, and we kind of through the southwest. And I got to tell you, uh, in the desert, Daryl's been saying it his whole life because he's from there, and I've been listening but not really believing. But really, the, the desert that we were in and about was beautiful. I mean, it really was breathtaking. I don't know if I'd want to spend forever there, but it was definitely, it was awesome. I mean, I, I, if I had to choose between going back that way or going to the beach, I may go back that way. I mean, I really would. It was amazing. Did anybody kind of go the opposite direction? Do you say some sort of cooler climate, like the snow? We have mountains. W- mountains, okay, definitely cooler. All right. That's, that's interesting, it's it's July in Texas and nobody else thought about colder climate. That's interesting, maybe in a month, maybe in a month, we'll, we'll have a, a change, a change. Um, but yeah, did anybody mention any specific people in their paradise? We have a couple, a couple people did. Um, yeah, I, I think if I had to think about paradise, like the ultimate paradise, uh, it would include People that I love it would include um, it wouldn't be awesome if I said only some of you in here no it would include all of you uh, and it would include a, a guy like Vernon he would be in my paradise right uh, he would have turned 98 years old yesterday 98 years old in that isn't that something and some of you may not have known who Vernon uh, was Vernon was one of the coolest members of our church uh, he was the oldest member of our church, um, and he'd been coming for a very long time and always did a lot of things to help people, but he did it in the background. Uh, for, one, for an example, when we would baptize people in our, in our baptistry, which is a big like water feeding trough thing uh, that you, know, you would use out in the ranch, when we would do that, he made sure that we had nice towels. And so he would bring the towels for people to dry themselves off after they got baptized. And he would take all those towels home and he would wash them and dry them and then bring them back the next time that we would have a baptism. Um, and he would do weird stuff like that, little stuff here and there, and he would help people and he would, he would give money for this or, or help people with that. Anytime we would have breakfast, those of you who have been a part of the Bible study in the back, anytime we had breakfast, he would always bring those meats and cheeses from Sands. And they were really, really good. Um, I would want him to be part of my paradise and I can think of other loved ones that I've lost that I would want to be part of that paradise because if it was really paradise if it was really the ultimate paradise uh, then it would only be complete with those people there and then above all of that true paradise would be in the presence can't almost even say it of almighty God right I mean that would be paradise that would be It'd be amazing. I mean, beauty, and we lose sight of this sometimes. I think, but paradise would be with a being whose beauty is so profound, so otherworldly that in the presence of that beauty, in our natural state, we would die. Can you imagine that? I mean, that's. I, I don't. I don't know if we've really come to grips with who we worship. We read about him, and we uh, we have. Uh, god incarnate in jesus and so we have that but but to see god in all of his glory i mean when moses saw just a just kind of a part of god his face actually glowed <laughs> can you imagine that his face was glowing All right. And we say that term, well, she's glowing, you know, and all. No. I mean, it was radiating light. If if you turned out all the lights, you could see Moses a mile away. His face was glowing. And that was just by seeing just a portion of God's glory. I mean, we worship a God that if he showed up in this room, we would be so, so in awe, so afraid, so delighted that our hearts would stop beating. That's our God. And in paradise, we would be able to hang out with him. That's paradise. That's true paradise. And so I want to talk to you about one of my favorite passages of scripture. I was at a funeral, uh, memorial service, I guess is the better word for it, last week. um, And I had the opportunity to speak for a man that did not have uh, as long a life as Vernon. He died in his 50s, um, right around the age of 60. Um, But he was a believer and so it was a celebration of this man and I and I was brought to this passage And then when I saw on Facebook, you know that Vernon was gonna be 98 years old It really started to make me go back to this passage So if you would I want to look with you about paradise our hope in a paradise to come and I want to look at Luke chapter 23 Okay, and I want you I want us to take note of four things. Okay, we're gonna take note of four things as we go through this Okay um, but to set the stage, we are looking as Christ is being led to the cross, and He is going to be crucified with a, with a criminal on His left and a criminal on His right, okay? Um, and the word is criminal. One passage is lawbreaker. Uh, we say the word thief or, or thieves, that's not really the best translation of the word. It's criminal or revolutionary or insurrectionist depending on if you're reading matthew and mark or if you're reading look either either way these are people that have broken the law so i'm going to pick up in verses uh let's look at verse 39 through 43 okay one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him this is railing at jesus saying are you not the christ save yourself and us but the other rebuked him saying do you not fear god since you are under the same sentence of condemnation And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man, referring to Jesus, has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. It's an amazing passage, amazing passage. Four verses, we're in Luke 23, verses 39 through 43. And I want us to take note of four things. The first thing I want you to take note of is the difference between the two criminals. And it's really amazing. And if you go and read the account in Matthew, it says that the criminals uh, heckled Jesus, that both of them did. And then we read this in Luke where it sounds like one did and one didn't. Now, if you're of the mind uh, where you're skeptical of Scripture and you just see this as a human book that's filled with many errors, then you're going to see this, some sort of disagreement. But if you hold, as we do, that this is God's word, then you know that, that something's happening here, that in Matthew, when we read that two criminals were uh, heckling, uh, reviling Jesus, and then we read in Luke that one of them did and one of them didn't, it means that one had a change of heart, which is amazing. And I didn't read it, but if you back up, it says, uh, these are, this is Christ's words. He says, um, uh, before that, he says, Father, this is in verse 34, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Could it have been that those words impacted the heart of one of the criminals and said, okay, this person, this, he is indeed who he said he was, perhaps. But let's let's look at the two criminals and see how different they, they, they really were. One of them said, Sorry, in a very I hear what you... one of them said in a very disrespectful way, "Hey, you! If you can save, if you really are who you say you are, then save yourself. Save us. Let's do something about it." And the other criminal rebuked him, and he says, "Do you not fear God?" another way of saying that is don't you believe in god and so the first thing i want you to notice is that one of the criminals didn't really see christ as any person to respect didn't see him as messiah didn't see him as uh, the son of god but one of them did and the one of them said that he he said don't you fear god implying that he did in fact fear god we live in uh, a time where it's becoming we talked about this in our bible study didn't we Uh, with Roy and and San Juan and Araceli we talked about the uh, old school or old-fashioned how that's kind of a derogatory way of talking to somebody and say they're old-fashioned you don't say that in a good way you normally that's a bad thing it's becoming almost the case where to believe in God for some people they see that as old-fashioned which is crazy right and the reason why many in our society are coming to this sort of idea that well to believe in god is that's kind of old we're, we're past that we're beyond that we're above that many of the reasons why people do that is because they're listening to uh, prominent atheists people in, in our society that are saying that it doesn't make sense to believe in god and many times the reason that they're using uh for their lack of faith in god is science And I hope you realize how blessed you are that we are in a church where we have a pastor that takes science very seriously. And I do as well, and I know you do as well. And we know that actually, if people are really being honest, that really of the last three, four, five decades, the most cutting-edge science actually makes the belief in God reasonable. And I I, I could spend a lot of time here, but I'm not. But just for a few people that may be in the room that are struggling with this, or the students that are about to go to school and sit in a classroom where they may have a teacher that looks at them like it's ridiculous to believe in God, I I just wanna go over just a few things, okay, really quickly. First, since the middle of last century, it's become very uh, uh, universally agreed upon by every uh, uh, physicist, cosmologist that the universe had a beginning. A lot of people call it the big bang and you can call it whatever you want but it's pretty clear that about 14 billion years ago that's when everything started in our known universe okay and you've heard uh our pastor mention this william lane craig a very intelligent man uses a very basic argument and it goes something like this it says everything that began to exist has a cause the universe began to exist therefore it has a cause now listen you don't have to be Uh, a PhD to understand that anything that we see has had a cause behind it. The phone that you have in your hand, the clothes that you're wearing, you didn't just stumble upon those things walking around in the forest. Those were caused by other things. And I have a basic question for you. If you found a cell phone, an iPhone or whatever, those of you weird people who still use Androids, whatever, if you found it in the middle of a forest, the nature preserve over here in North Garland, your immediate thought would not be wow after all this time sunshine and wind that thing just came to be you would all say well somebody dropped it somebody dropped it well i just have a very simple question for you what is more complex more amazing that cell phone or the universe that we're in that has that cell phone in it but yet we've tricked ourselves into thinking well the cell phone shows design and shows intricacy and shows that you know it didn't just happen but the universe just happened. It's, it's crazy. It really is crazy talk. Okay, here's another example. There are now hundreds of parameters we know have to be finely tuned that have to be set just right for life to be possible at all. That if any one of these hundreds of things changed just slightly, that life would no longer exist. Meaning that it seems to be the case that there's a lot of design in our universe. And what does design imply? A designer. Here's another one, how about your DNA? Let's not talk about the universe, let's just go down to the cell, which is a universe all its own. Man, what we thought 100 years ago as as, as, as a human race about the cell and what we think now, it's totally different. It's much more complex and intricate. I mean, it is amazing what we can find in the cell. In fact, and you've heard our pastor mention this before, it's because of the intricacy in the design of the cell that in 2007, at the age of 81, Anthony Flew, who was a lifelong atheist who spent his entire life arguing against Christians, said, I have done what I've always done my whole life. I have followed the evidence and I now believe that there is a God. He didn't have some religious experience. He looked at DNA from a scientist that lived in Garland by the way kind of crazy looked at DNA and said there's design here Now, why am I bringing this up well listen you don't have to be scientifically inclined this criminal this lawbreaker wasn't you do not have to do research it is quite basic it is the most reasonable and logical thing to say that all of this came from something someone more powerful beyond the universe itself but If you are scientifically inclined, if you're an analytical thinker, then hey, rest assured that all the the best science that we have available to us right now actually make the belief in God more reasonable. What am I telling you? You and I need to start with the knowledge that God is real and that's a life-changing reality. It was for our brother Vernon. He believed in God and it changed his life. Many of you in here, you believe in God and it's life-changing it was life-changing for this criminal. The first criminal railed against Jesus, but the second criminal said, don't you fear God? Basically saying, don't you realize that he's real? God is real, and if you believe that, it changes things. Second thing I want you to notice, okay? Second thing I want you to notice is that the criminal knew he was a sinner. He admitted it. Did you catch that? He says, don't you fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation and we indeed justly for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. That criminal was saying, hey, we deserve to be on this cross. He admitted that he was a sinner. That's necessary for all of us. And you wanna talk about unpopular? It's becoming unpopular to say that you believe in God. You wanna know something that's really unpopular? Listen, if you're in the habit of wanting to have less friends, here's something that you can tell people. Everybody's a sinner. Everybody deserves death. Everybody deserves a hell to come. Everybody, everybody. We all deserve the worst. Now, please don't actually go and tell everybody that and leave it there, okay? That could be the first part of, of something I hope you know that you can, Bring them hope to, but that's what he said. He said, "We deserve this death. We deserve it. We're dying a death sentence." And again, I was reading a commentator, and if you look at the the Greek terms in Matthew and Mark and Luke, it could be that these were actually insurrectionists, and that makes sense, right? Remember how Pilate gave the people a choice: Do you want me to free Barabbas, or do you want me to free Jesus? And they screamed for Barabbas, and it was probably a shock to Pilate. That Barabbas character was probably a murderous insurrectionist, somebody that was trying to overthrow the Roman government. We don't know that, but probably the case. And those two criminals were probably like-minded, meaning these were probably dangerous people. Now, everything I know about Vernon, not a criminal. Doesn't really fit the profile, does he? Okay, I don't see Vernon as a guy that would do hard time. Okay, but you know what he would admit if he was standing right here is that he's a sinner. He would admit that he indeed Deserves punishment. That's what the Bible clearly teaches Listen, you can't have the gospel the good news without the bad news and here's the bad news You're a sinner the really bad news because of your sin because of my sin. We deserve punishment. That's the bad news Which makes the good news so sweet Who cares if Jesus came and died if I don't believe that I needed someone to die in my place so this This criminal knew he deserved death. That's number two. The third thing I want you to look at, and this is key, is who he saw in Jesus. Look at what he said to Jesus. He said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And actually before that, he said, uh, but this man has done nothing wrong. Two things he says about Jesus. He looks at Jesus and he says, he's done nothing wrong. And then he says to Jesus specifically, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. (laughs) He showed an incredible amount of faith. In fact, he's basically wrapping up Luke's gospel right here. The criminal is—he admitted. Well, actually, we can go all the way back to the first thing. He knew that God was real. Then he admitted mistakes, his mistakes, his that he was a sinful person that needed uh, judgment, that needed punishment, and then now he sees Jesus as a perfect man, but not just merely a man. He said he'd done nothing wrong, but then he said, Jesus, remember me when you enter your kingdom. Now think about that. If he says to this criminal, remember me, or if the criminal says to Jesus, remember me when you enter your kingdom, he's making a statement about who Jesus is to him. He's not merely just some unfortunate rabbi that got caught up in some rebellion against um, Rome and now is dying. By the way, those words I just said, that's what some people actually think. Jesus was just leading some movement and he got caught up in it and he, you know unfortunately no no This criminal saw Jesus for who he was the son of God the king of kings the ruler of the dominion to come That's amazing He says remember me when you go into your kingdom your kingdom Your kingdom he knew it wasn't talking about some place here it was something grander something beyond He had faith that Jesus was indeed the Messiah the son of God And that's necessary for us too we have to admit that we're a sinner but then we have to realize that Jesus is indeed more than just a man he is a man who lived a sinless life he is perfect Bible makes that clear yet not only a man the Bible also makes clear in a number of places that Jesus is the God man God incarnate that he is the son of God he is in fact God think about how John starts in the beginning was the word the word was with God the word was god later on in that same gospel jesus says the father and i are one we don't worship some man we worship the god man and that criminal in in his last moments saw in jesus who he was saw that he was the god man and wanted to be a part of his kingdom to come so again where are we at First thing that we notice is the difference between the criminals, that this criminal believed that God was real and it was life changing. Second, he admitted his mistakes. He knew he was a sinner that that should be judged, that should be punished. And then third, he saw in Jesus something different. He he knew, he believed that Jesus was who he said he was. And then finally, I want you to take notice of Jesus' reply, he says, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Maybe the most powerful statement in the Gospel of Luke, today you will be with me in paradise. Boy, that tells us a lot. One, paradise is real. Two, Jesus wants to take people there. Three, there's no uh, spiritual sleep. There's no purgatory. He said today. Jesus knew that this man was about to die and he was going to be with him in paradise. Listen, the word there, paradise, uh, what are we to take with it? What is that to mean? We don't know exactly, but we know that the word in the Greek is the same as the word in English. It's a place where you and I will want to go. It's a place where we want to be. So go back to that question I asked you a second ago about your paradise, okay? The paradise to come, the one that God has planned for you, the the kingdom of Christ, where redeemed sinners will be, it's better than whatever you can imagine. And I'm not putting down your paradise, some of you've got some, I mean, Dean's over here swimming in the water, uh, not needing to come up for air, like a little water world experience. I mean, that's a pretty good, I I hadn't thought of that one. That one's pretty good. Well, listen, I don't know exactly what is gonna be in paradise, but I, I do know this. We will be face to face with God, with Christ. In Revelation, it says there will be no need for sun or moon because the Father and the Son will illuminate. I mean, come on. And I know that Vernon will be there. I know that my grandfather, both my grandfathers will be there. I know that all of these other saints that have preceded me will be there. I hope I get to be there too. So paradise is real. It's not lost. No, it's found. It's found in Christ. And I hope that that you and i can look toward that listen some of us the school year is coming that is the opposite of paradise for many of us some of you are like uh craig i've been going to work every day for like the last 12 years so stop talking about summer no i get it i get it i get it you don't do what we do but i get it all right it's all good we all have this this existence right now it's rough it's tough but as our pastor has said so many times for those of us that believe in jesus Your best day here on earth is the worst it will ever be in paradise. I mean, think about that. It's only gonna get better. But the opposite is also true. For those that don't believe in Jesus, this is as good as it gets. Paradise is real. So I want you to take, I want us to, to take notice. I want us to follow the example of this criminal. Know that God is real. Admit that we're a sinner. Believe that Jesus is who he said he was. Call out to Christ and believe in the promise of paradise to come. Paradise is coming, are you ready? Are you prepared? Are you? Are you prepared? Have you admitted to your sins? Do you believe that Jesus, who he said he was? Have you called out to him? Admit, believe, call out to Christ. God is real, guys, and it is life-changing for all of us that believe. And it says it very clearly um, in several places, but the one that we, we use the most um, here, Daryl and I say a lot, is from Romans 10, 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That criminal called out to Christ and was saved that day. He didn't go and take a catechism class. He didn't go and, and uh, get baptized even. He, didn't, he was a criminal worthy of a death sentence, looked over to Christ and said, please remember me. And Christ said, you're going with me to paradise today. It's pretty amazing, pretty amazing. Admit your sins, believe that Jesus, who he said he was, call out to him. And you too have paradise to look forward to. Let's pray. Father, I thank you very much for, for the truth of your word. And I pray that all of us, um, <laughs> as the summer, as it gets uh, you know, hot, as we are taking last minute vacations, some people, others of us getting ready for school, others going to work, all of this, and it can be a tough time, Father, I pray that we are hopeful of the paradise to come, that we know that even though we are a sinner that deserves punishment, that when we believe in Jesus, we have hope of salvation, we have hope of being with you forever. So Father, I pray for anyone in this room that does not know who you are, that does not, uh, hasn't put their faith in Jesus, will do so. Father, I pray that they will just call out to Jesus, that they don't need to know special words, but that they'll just ask for help from your Son. Father, I pray for those of us in this room that we are believers and we grow tired in our faith sometimes and we, we get grouchy. Um, We become hopeless instead of hopeful, Father, renewing us, renewing us, uh, our faith, our trust in you. In salvation, that means that, yes, paradise is to come for us, but also now in this life, we can have a life filled with joy. We can, in fact, even have paradise now, at least a slice of it, because we can have your spirit with us, guiding us, shaping us, molding us being with us and giving us purpose and meaning father help us to have that renewed desire to be your men and women to do as you would have us do to tell others of your great love to live a life serving you and serving others father as as pastor daryl and i are up here i pray that people will uh will take that next step whatever that may be for them to first for the first time maybe call out to you or maybe just to renew that faith We pray that in Jesus name. Amen. Pastor Darrell and I will be up here. Um, Perhaps you've never taken that first step to say, you know what? Jesus isn't real for me. You can come up here and pray with Pastor Darrell can come here and talk to me. Okay. You don't have to. You can actually talk to Jesus right where you're at. You can come up here if you want to kind of get away from distractions at your seat. But you come to Jesus. You just say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, help me. Jesus, I believe in you. And he will. It's pretty amazing.